Welcome to Dig Deep, the mining podcast. In this podcast, we go deep into mining news, hot topics, and live interviews with mining professionals and leading figures in the mining industry. Introducing your host, Rob Tyson, founder and director of Mining International and Mining International Executive, a leading global mining recruitment and headhunting agency. Hi, mining community. Welcome back to another episode of the Dig Deep, the mining podcast. And today's guest is returning for the third time. So he must love coming on to the, coming on to the podcast. And that's uh, Christian Kapoor, who's the Market Intelligence Manager at the World Gold Council. Um, he's here to discuss the uh, gold demand trends quarterly report for Q2 in 2021. Um, and obviously find out what's been happening in the world of gold um, in the last three or four months. Um, Christian's also going to give us a bit of history around gold, um, so obviously be sure to listen uh, to what, what he has to say in uh, the history of gold, which is a fan- uh, fan- I can't even pronounce it now, fascinating uh, that uh, with the history of, of gold. Um, so that's welcome, Christian, to the podcast. How are you doing, Christian? Hi there, Rob. Yeah, all well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm good for a Monday morning we're recording this. So um, so let's get straight into this. Can you um, basically give us an uh, overview of the report for Q2? Um, and also, I suppose, give us what are the drivers um, for gold investment in, in, obviously, the quarter? Yeah, so we released our, our second quarter uh, gold demand trends report uh, a couple of weeks ago now. Um, and... What we really had a look at was the main drivers of gold demand in quarter two, but over the first half as well. So in Q2 in particular, what we saw was actually uh, an improving picture uh, in the investment sector. So we saw actual, uh, actually moderate inflows into gold-backed exchange-traded funds, and that's a bit of a turnaround with what we saw at the earlier part of the year. Um, and we also saw continued improvement uh, or strength in the gold demand uh, sorry, the gold bar and coin demand uh, sector as well, uh, representative of a bit more of a typical retail investment. Um, on the jewellery side, we, can, we saw continuing strength uh, in the recovery from the lows that we saw in Q2 last year. Uh, I'm sure all of us will remember Q2 last year was when the, the pandemic really started to take hold globally. And that really caused a significant, significant decrease in, in demand in jewellery in particular last year. So we saw an improvement in that, partly due to uh, the low base effect, obviously jewellery being so low last year. Um, but equally, we also saw that the improving economic picture actually has improved the environment for, for gold demand people are a kind of a kind of feeling feeling wealthier a bit more secure in the financial environment and so that's that's generally pretty pretty good for for jewelry uh, demand and we also saw um, continued uh, purchase from central banks they've been really really uh, really really active this year particularly in q2 um, so uh, we saw uh, significant purchases from uh, Thailand and Brazil um, both of whom have been relatively inactive for, for the last couple of years so really notable uh, notable additions to the list of banks that are uh, adding gold uh, to their reserves this year so overall the picture was one of, of, of an improvement um, but uh, like with everything that's coming out of the pandemic, the, the progress is gradual, the improvement is gradual. So there are a lot of reasons to be hopeful on, on the different sectors of gold demand. Um, and uh, yeah, that was the overall picture of, of Q2. 
Okay. Um, what what are the main differences between, say, Q1 to Q2 that you noticed? Was there any significant differences? Yeah, there absolutely were. Um, if we start with investment, um, what we saw at the start of the year really was uh, interest rates playing a huge role in driving gold, uh, uh, gold investment demand. So as we moved into this year, interest rates, particularly in the US, started to rise. And that's obviously a headwind for gold. That, that caused the gold price to, to kind of come off the, the level it was at coming into this year and hit a low in around March. Now, that obviously discouraged a lot of investment when the gold price goes down. Um, and so that obviously caused what we saw were uh, outflows of those exchange-traded funds uh, in Q1. Now, that kind of shifted in Q2 a little bit. Uh, that's, you know, the outflows that we saw started to moderate in about April and then switched to small purchases or small inflows, sorry, in May and then in June. And that's really because the story shifted from interest rates to the outlook for inflation. So, obviously, this has been an incredibly hot topic uh, in, in the financial markets, but, but generally, as the economic uh, recovery progresses, there are continued questions. Well, we're seeing a lot of accommodative monetary policy. Uh, we're seeing a huge amount of fiscal spending. And, and will this lead to, to uh, overheating of, of economies uh, and, and inflation that may come with that? So as that story started to take hold, we actually saw sentiment towards gold shift. And actually, uh, investors started to to, to kind of consider, well, maybe having a strategic allocation to gold in their portfolios would be useful as a hedge against that potential inflation that we're seeing. Now, obviously, we've moved past Q1 and Q2. We're into Q3. But that, that conversation, that, that kind of debate is still rumbling. You know, each month we go through, we get the updated economic data and we see where we stand. And I think there are still question marks about uh, where inflation may go uh, and what central banks might do to react to it if it did, uh, did appear more persistent than, than they seem to think it might do. Yeah. Uh, obviously, you mentioned a few um, countries have started purchasing and probably been inactive for, for, a, for a little while. Why are central banks seem to be buying more and more gold? Yeah, so you're absolutely right. We did see a huge amount of uh, buying, as I said, on the central banking side. And the reasons why uh, will be familiar to anyone who's familiar with, with investment, the, the reasons why you would hold gold. So central banks, uh, you know, their, their key criteria their key aims are, are safety, return, diversification, for example. Um, and gold fit, really does fit that bill. Obviously, we see a huge amount of central banks around the world that own gold to some degree. Um, Western markets tend to hold more as a relic of, of the, the kind of the gold standard in Bretton Woods that was, that was in force about 50 years ago. But Central banks, particularly in emerging markets, are looking to increase their gold reserves uh, as a hedge, as a, a, a level of security for, for their wealth. Um, and we actually ran a survey earlier this year in around May, and the results are available on our website, Gold Hub. Uh, and, and we asked uh, the central banking community, you know, what were the motives for, for holding gold or buying gold? And actually, gold's performance in times of crisis was actually one of the, 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 the top answers, the top responses that we got. So that really goes to show that gold's role uh, at times of a crisis during the pandemic, but also with the question marks, as I said, about the ongoing economic recovery, uh, I think really explains why we're seeing uh, increased interest from central banks around the world at the moment. And overall, I think it's likely that we're going to see uh, uh, central banks remain net purchases on, on an annual basis in 2021, as we have done for the last 11 years. 
So we really just need to see how the rest of the year progresses in terms of what the level might be. But I, as I said, I still expect central banks to be to be very, very interested in, in gold. Yeah. Um, obviously, I, I work in recruitment, so I'm always looking and dealing with mining, mining companies. With regards to, there seems to be a lot of projects coming online, gold mining projects. Um, has the overall production um, across the world, have you got figures around that? And has the, has the sort of, um, I suppose, production figures, have they been gradually increasing, say, from last year to this year? Or have you even, even seen a little bit of a burst this year with uh, production figures? And I know, obviously, it depends on what country that you're looking at or what, what continent. So I just wonder if you had any figures around the, the production levels that mining companies are um, getting this gold out of the ground to, to market. Yeah, we did. You're absolutely right. So in the most recent quarter, we saw a continued recovery in uh, mine production for gold. Uh, again, comparing it to that really severely impacted Q2 in 2020 because of the pandemic. So if you all remember back to the to beginning of last year, in Q1, we saw uh, the pandemic really hit hard in China. And that was the first market where we saw an impact on, on uh, gold supply, uh, gold production. Uh, but then it was really as we moved into Q2 that we saw the pandemic spread globally and that impact the wider gold mining industry globally. So you're absolutely right. Different jurisdictions were impacted. Some had to suspend operations uh, because uh, of the spread of the virus or restrictions on movement, et cetera. So uh, it really was uh, a kind of, a, a, kind of a, a really negative, uh, a real headwind for, for gold mining. But despite that, over 2020 as a whole, we only saw about a 5% 5 decrease um, uh, in, in the overall level of production, which, you know, I argued you last year that that is a relatively uh, moderate uh, impact if you think of the scale of the, the pandemic and, and the impact that it had. Um, so that really spoke to the resili resilience that the gold mining industry has. And part of that comes from the fact that gold mining is global. I mean, it, it, you find gold, gold mining on, on nearly every continent across the globe. So that, that kind of geographic diversity brings, brings kind of resilience and, and stability. Uh, if we move into this year, what we've seen um, as we went for, away from Q2 last year is the industry has continued to get back towards full operations uh, and the kind of uh, mines have reopened and we're seeing less disruption caused by those uh, kind of uh, lockdowns and, and restrictions uh, in response to, to COVID. So really, I, I would argue that, that I think the gold mining industry is, is back to, to near full capacity. And we've seen that in the data. So we continue to see increases in mine production this year. Now, as I said, like with jewellery, some of that is down to that low base effect, but we actually did see areas of growth in Q2 as well. We saw ramp-ups in North America, for example, but we also saw increases in other areas, in other jurisdictions. So I think uh, at the moment, the health of the gold mining industry seems pretty, pretty robust. Um, and again, with the gold prices where they are, I think um, margins as well still remain relatively healthy where you can consider where all in sustaining costs are. So I, overall, I think that the health of, of the gold mining industry is, is positive. And I think we've continued to see that recovery uh, since, uh, since Q2 in 2020. Yeah. Um, you mentioned, obviously, there was a 5% decrease in production. Has that had an effect on the supply and demand uh, safer for this year and as we move forward. Do you think there's more, obviously you mentioned obviously certain countries are increasing their um, gold reserves. Is there a demand, uh, a supply and demand issue at the moment? Not with, just not with the 5% decrease, 
but also moving forward with maybe more governments or more retail investors wanting more gold. Is there enough gold out there in, in the market for everyone to purchase what, what they're looking to purchase? I mean, it's a great question. And so obviously, yes, we saw the 5% decline this year. We're not really seeing that impact this year on, on gold, uh, gold mining in particular. But if we consider the supply side in general for gold, while mine production is an incredibly important part, it accounts for about 75% of annual supply each year. The other 25% more or less is uh, contributed by gold recycling. So in gold, given the, the, the kind of the, the way that the, the, the metal kind of is, is, is chemically constructed, uh, it's virtually indestructible, which leaves itself um, or lends itself, I should say, to, um, to being uh, kind of reusable, recyclable. And, and we see a huge market for recycling uh, for gold. And what we often see in, in years where supply can't meet the level of demand, recycling will help fill that gap. Um, in terms of, of balancing the market. So overall, no, we, while we did see the decline in mine production, we did see a, a, slight, uh, a slight response from, from recycling, and that helps to balance the market somewhat and kind of keep demand being, you know, for being met fully. Uh, so we, we didn't see a huge disruption from, from gold mining's uh, decline last year in, in terms of the overall market. Yeah. Um, before we talk about some of the, obviously, the history of gold, what what is the sort of outlook uh, for the remainder of the year? So if we if we take a look at the the different sectors, I'll start with central banks because we spoke about those, and I think I, yeah. I kind of alluded to the outlook. So we 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 expect that central banks will remain net purchases. The 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 positive sentiment and the increased buying that we've seen this year, we likely see we we believe will persist for the remainder of the year, and on balance, they will be net purchases for twenty twenty one as a whole. Now, if we look at jewelry. Um, the improving uh, economic uh, recovery is positive for gold. So gold uh, is inc uh, gold jewelry is uh, inc incredibly responsive to uh, economic growth into uh, growth in incomes. Now, if we continue to see improvements in that, you know, greater job creation, kind of higher wages, that kind of lends itself to a more jewellery friendly environment in terms of what we're seeing. Not only that, as uh, many of your, your listeners might be aware, gold has, has declined most recently, at least when we're recording. It declined because of news coming out of the US and, and uh, kind of a, an improving economic picture there and potential uh, hawkishness from the Federal Reserve. Now, that decline in gold price, again, may provide a boost to gold jewellery going for, forward as it becomes more affordable. So, the actual, the actual outlook for gold jewellery um, is relatively positive where we stand at the moment. So while gold jewellery overall, uh, the demand level is below, still below the levels that we saw before the pandemic, um, this should hopefully aid the recovery in that, that sector that we've, begin, we've been seeing. Now, one potential headwind we should discuss is probably um, the pandemic itself. Additional waves we saw in Q2 that jewellery demand in India was severely impacted by a surge in cases. Now, obviously, we don't know where this pandemic is going, what the future holds for us in terms of this. Hopefully, we're on top of it and we're getting out of it, but there is still the risk and, and kind of caution over potential third, fourth, fifth waves. So that remains a headwind. If we start to see increasing cases, the need for further lockdowns or restrictions, that could have a similar impact in terms of constricting jewellery demand that we saw last year when the pandemic first took hold. 
And then if we have a look at the investment side, obviously the decline in gold price recently and, and the kind of the shifting in, in outlook or expectations uh, for a commutative monetary policy and fiscal policy moving to more, well, interest rates might start going up, um, is a headwind for gold. That's that's going to uh, kind of um, likely kind of constrict uh, any movement in the gold price that we see upwards at least. Um, however, as I said at the top of the show, the uh, the question marks around inflation um, are certainly going to be a, a potential positive for gold because gold is uh, historically a proven hedge against inflation. So this might um, this might lead to some investment flows into gold as we as investors look to gain that hedge against uh, potential inflation, which we're already seeing in many markets, is already running at or above target levels. Its question mark is whether it remains persistent or it's transitory. So we have to wait and see on that. But I think the the outlook for for gold is very much folk or kind of on the investment side is very much um, tied to what interest rates and inflation do. On the consumer side, uh, we're looking at uh, how the prices behave, but also you know things like the pandemic and how that might impact people freedom of movement. Yeah, certainly. And it'd be interesting to see how the, the rest of the year does play out. So but I'll be certainly watching, uh, keeping a close eye on that. Um, so yeah, I've got a few questions. And um, first of all, just wanted, um, wondering if you can give us a sort of the, the history of gold um, as money um, over the years. And um, obviously I know gold's been around and a majority of the audience will know gold's been around for thousands of years. Um, I just wanted wondered if you can give us a brief overview of the history, and you can go back as far as as far as you want, as far as you know. Um, and yeah, just wondered if you can give us a, an overview of the history of gold as money. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you're absolutely right. I mean, gold has had a very long and storied history when it comes to its use as money. Um, and, and obviously, nowadays, while it's not official currency, um, it still behaves like currency. It's still universally accepted, uh, a form of, of exchange, and it holds its value, kind of the key criteria that you, you look for as, as uh, money. Now, you're absolutely right. If we go back, 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 back to uh, kind of 500, 600 BC, that's when we first start to see uh, gold coinage. So um, I think I think the, the, the earliest gold coin is accepted as the, the Croesus coin. I think that's the correct pronunciation. And that was in Lydia. Um, and it's a, like a little lump of, of gold that's kind of pressed. And it's got a, a kind of a, a stamp in it of, a, of a, a line or a tiger, I think. So, I mean, we're going back a long, long way. And we're seeing very, very early rudimentary forms as gold, as money, as a medium, a recognized medium of exchange. Now, obviously, that has evolved over time. There is constant stories. You may have seen them recently. There's been quite a few about historical coins being found, incredibly rare gold coins. And, you know, once they're cleaned up, they look brand new. I mean, that, that's one of the, the, the benefits of gold as currency. And I'll come on to actually why, why gold, um, why gold has, has worked so well as a currency. Um, but if we move forward, uh, you know, that while there's been the evolution in gold as money, you know, essentially it was the metal as a form of exchange. And we've seen that through the hundreds of thousands of years that, that kind of have led on since that those early coins. And then really, if you know, gold was accepted as a medium of exchange right up until kind of like the 20th century, uh, or maybe just before, but um, 
with the outset uh, or, or kind of as we move towards the 20th century, we started moving to what was a gold standard. So moving towards more paper money that was backed by gold. So there was still that recognition that, look, gold is still, you know, the the main medium of exchange. This is the benchmark. So, you know, we are going to make something that's maybe uh, slightly more um usable in terms of paper money, easy to carry around, et cetera. Um, but it would be tied to gold. So essentially, it's a representation of gold. Um, now, with the advent of things like the World War II, et cetera, um, the gold standard became a lot more difficult and, and, and it's, its kind of successor in the Bretton Woods. Um, and eventually, in 1971, uh, obviously, the Nixon closed the, the, the gold window and that brought the end of convertibility to gold. Um, and since then, we've obviously moved to a, a fiat-based uh, currency system, so paper money. Um, but but gold has, through all that time, built this reputation and this enduring quality as a currency. So even to this day, gold in certain areas is still used as money. There are examples of that. But I think in the forms that we see, it's accepted as a monetary asset. It's used as uh, a kind of form of saving. It's used as uh, a way in which to obtain loans if you need collateral. So depending where you are in the world, gold is still used in, in one form or another as a kind of a quasi, a quasi currency, even if it's not official currency um, for, for different countries. So, you're, you know, it's, it's an incredibly interesting story. I, I wish I had a brain big enough that would hold all the details, and I could give that to you, to you and your audience. But but that gives you a, high, a kind of high level overview of of gold as a currency and kind of how how um, how it's kind of been built over generations. And even to this day, you know, gold is synonymous with money. Um, and so uh, that's that's likely something that I don't think in the human psyche that's ever likely to change. Yeah, certainly. Um, obviously, gold's been around for thousands of years. Um, so why has gold been valued throughout history? So this is really interesting, and it, it kind of touches upon uh, kind of chemistry, if you'll allow me. Um, if, we, if we think about the periodic table that you may have seen in school, or if you're a, a scientist or a chemist, you might use it now. I don't know. Um, I, I certainly don't. But if you think to the periodic table, um, I think there's about 118 elements. Now, some are gases, some are... Uh, corrosive, some are toxic, radioactive, some are um, that, that some tarnish and corrode. Um, and what I'm getting at is that if you take out all of the elements that are in the periodic table that don't meet the requirements you would need for money, um, it doesn't leave very many. So you take out the gases, they can't be used as money. You take out of metals that are are rare, which is what you want, but maybe too rare to, to produce enough coins. Um, you don't want any metals, for example, that um, tarnish or corrode over time. A copper coin would be no good. Um, a pure copper coin, if it rusts over time, it devalues itself. Um, and really, what we found is that as you, as you narrow down that list of elements of what could be used as money, Gold really becomes the standout of, of the lot. Um, I mean, the, 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 what are termed precious metals, so platinum, palladium, silver, rhodium. I mean, they, they are a small group that could be used, but they themselves have, have issues too. Out of the lot, 
uh, of precious metals, gold really stands alone. It doesn't corrode. It doesn't tarnish. It melts at a low temperature. Um, it's easy to, to work with. Um, and so that, I think, was one of the key reasons why gold kind of came into its own when they were looking for something that kind of ticked all the boxes, uh, the evolving boxes of money, um, and why what would what would work well. And uh, over time, I think gold has proven time and time again that that it is it is the standout the standout element from a chemical standpoint. But also, if you just look at how how it's been used throughout history, uh, you know there are certain cultures that cherish gold because it was a representation of the sun and and you know uh, used for worship. And we still see elements of that in in the world today. Gold is a, a link to spirituality. So gold has. Uh, established this reputation on a number of levels, so chemically, spiritually, economically, um, and all of that kind of really, really has cemented its role, as I said, in the human psyche. Uh, and that's likely, again, to something that's going to persist. Uh, I mean, gold, while there are other forms of currency, gold is still recognized. There are other metals that go into jewelry, but gold is valued most likely above all of them. So, Gold really does have this very special place in in kind of what we think of as as precious. Yeah, now that's interesting. I, I didn't actually know. I didn't actually know what you just explained there. I didn't realise um, that's why gold is gold and why is that used as money. So yeah, that's something I've learned learned today. Um, how's the sort of structure of today's gold market um, changed um, compared to say last? 10, 20, 30 years. So, you know, given gold storied history, you'd think, oh, well, the last 10, 10 20 years, not much could have happened in the, in the grand scheme of things. But actually, a huge amount has happened. Uh, the gold market has changed fairly radically over the last 10, 20 years. So, what we saw about 10, 20 years ago was a gold market that was dominated by jewelry. Jewelry was overwhelmingly the main reason it was demanded every year. Investment was a very small proportion. Central banks were, were sellers of gold um, rather than purchasers. Um, and gold using technology was incredibly, incredibly small. Now, over the last 20 years, since around the turn of the millennium, um, we have seen uh, the gold market shift. We have seen new uh, players come into the market in terms of, of consumers. We have seen new categories of demand emerge. Um, so really, there we've seen a significant shift. So if we just start with uh, the new markets that have developed over time. So as of around 2001, we saw the liberalization of the gold market in China. Now, that really set off a huge increase in demand in China. Investors were able to hold gold, um, and it really was a boom for the Chinese gold market, which has developed and evolved at incredibly quick, quick uh, rate. And so since 2000, China kind of opening up relatively small, moved through the years to become not just the world's largest gold producer, but also the world's largest gold consumer. And that really opened up a whole new market to to. The, the, the kind of gold demand. And obviously, with China, we again see a lot of elements such as the, the spiritual aspect, the links to New Year, the celebrations. There are really a number of uh, instances throughout the year why um, Chinese, uh, Chinese consumers would look to, to buy gold. So that was huge for the gold market in terms of expanding it overall. 
But I also mentioned the new product. So gold exchange traded funds really kind of uh, took off in 2003. And since then, they've become a huge, huge part of the market. Um, they account for about um, 4,000, three and a half to 4,000 tons of gold being held within these products, which is a huge amount. Um, and it's a, a really easy vehicle for, for investors to get in and out of gold. So it kind of made gold more accessible to, to some investors who maybe didn't want to invest in mining stocks or didn't want to buy physical gold. They could do so through, through exchange-traded funds. So overall, if we look at the way the market shift, we have seen an, a kind of a We've seen an increase in the overall scale of the market, but we've seen a shift within the sectors too. So jewellery now isn't as dominant as it used to. It still accounts for about 50% of gold demand every year. Um, but now investment is far, far more important as well. I think part of that is the environment we're in. We're just seeing, you know, with the global financial crisis, the sovereign debt crisis here in Europe, and now the COVID crisis just there's been a lot more reasons for investors to want to hold gold. Uh, we've seen increased uses in technology, uh, you know, the advent of smartphones, uh, tablets, you know, far more consumer electronics needing, okay, admittedly, very, very small traces of gold as part of those components. But overall, it still forms a very large amount of gold every year. We're talking in the region of 400 tonnes of gold is used for technological applications, so about 10% of the market, so, so not insignificant overall. And then we come on to central banks who, as I said, 20 years ago were, were firm sellers and had been for some time. When the global financial crisis uh, hit in the aftermath, they switched to sellers and we've seen them, uh, sorry, switched to purchasers and they've remained purchasers ever since. Um, and as I said, we expect them to, to remain so for, for this year too. So we've really seen the market shift to, to a much more balanced picture, not so heavily weighted into jewellery demand, now more balanced in between jewellery, investment, central banks to a lesser degree, and, and technology to a lesser degree. But it really highlights gold has become a much more diverse market. Those sources of demand are incredibly diverse, and they uh, lend uh, itself uh, or they, they, they lend gold to, to what we term um, its self-balancing nature. And by that, we mean with the different sources of demand behaving differently depending on the economic conditions. So jewellery and technology tend to be pro-cyclical. So when things are improving, we see greater demand for that. And then we see counter-cyclical elements such as investment. So when things are performing badly, investment goes up and, and maybe jewellery will be, be less so. So it kind of lends itself. They will kind of balance each other out. Different elements of the demand, uh, demand side will, will behave differently and kind of counteract. So overall, we've really seen um, the gold market, even in the last 20 years, become a lot more diverse, a lot more balanced in terms of the different sectors. And we've seen new markets open up, especially in the emerging markets. So it's been a very, very interesting 20 years in terms of the, uh, how the gold market has evolved. Yeah. Um, as a conclusion, um, what do you think uh, the future holds for gold? And obviously, nowadays, there's the, the emergence or, um, I, I mean, it's not just new, but obviously cryptocurrencies. Um, so as an investment, um, obviously, Gold is used as an investment. Um, cryptocurrencies, again, may be used as an investment or used to exchange good exchange for goods and services. So, how how does so what is the future of gold, and how does that compare to say the cryptocurrency market? Um, and do you think investors will some gold traditional gold investors? Do you think they've moved over to cryptocurrency or had a balanced view between between both? So. What I would start off by saying, 
gold has had an incredibly long history, but its story is only just beginning. I think I would argue that that gold is is unlikely to see its reputation change anytime soon. I think the reasons why people hold gold are very much firmly in place. Um, and I think that the history has has proven that to be to be right. I think if we look at um, gold's performance as a financial asset, we have uh, a long history by which to measure that, to, to analyze, to see how it behaves. Um, if we compare that to cryptocurrencies, of course, they're very popular at the moment, uh, making lots of news. We generally believe that they're, they're very different propositions. Gold uh, is, is um, a kind of a, a source of returns, but it's also a source of safety too. Uh, cryptocurrencies uh, obviously have the potential to offer great rewards, but they bring incredible risk. You see a lot of volatility, for example. Um, and so overall, we really say that, look, if any investor that has risk assets in their portfolio, that includes potentially cryptocurrencies, there is a role for gold in that portfolio. Gold can play a role in that, in helping to offset some of that risk. Um, so while they are different propositions, I, I, I kind of feel that, that gold's, gold's outlook is still, still very, very robust. As I said, the immediate outlook uh, in terms of how it behaves as a financial asset in respect to inflation and interest rates is, is kind of short to medium term. We wait to see what happens in the next six months, 12 months, for example. Um, and then as we move out another year or two. But in terms of gold's long-term history, I think that's that's very secure, like the metal itself. Uh, as I said, there are a number of reasons why gold is cherished, uh, why it, it fits the bill as a medium of exchange, uh, universally accepted. Uh, and this is, again, something that has developed throughout history. It's not something that we have seen over the last 10, 20, 30 years. This is, this is longstanding, and this is something that we, we associate with gold. We've just had the Olympics, and you know, one of the, my favorite sayings that I heard a while back is, no one ever says, go for the silver. They always say go for the gold because that's considered the, the, the pinnacle. Um, and I think gold is going to retain that status in people's minds. Now, in terms of how people might invest in gold going forward versus cryptocurrencies, obviously that depends on, on their own investment preferences and, and their outlook. But I certainly think, you know, as we said, there are different propositions. I certainly don't think the, the case for gold, a strategic holding in gold, is lessened uh, at all now than it ever has been. Christian, appreciate your time. This is obviously the third time you've uh, been on the podcast. Um, probably look to get you on at the end of the year to give us a, an overview or wrap up of, uh, of um, 2021 um, and possibly uh, your predictions or future for uh, 2022. So really appreciate your time. Um, if our audience wants to reach out to you, if they've got any questions around gold and the, the World Gold Council, um, how can they go about doing that? Yeah. So, they, I mean, if they want to read our Gold Demand Trends report, they can go to our website, goldhub.com, or the whole report's there free to download. You just create an account and it's, it's free to, to access. Um, equally, uh, you can use Goldhub to see all manner of, of research that we put out or data. Um, me, myself, I'm available on Twitter if you want to reach me that way. Um, but, uh, but yeah, please, by all means, I'd encourage anyone interested in gold or anything that we've spoken about today to take a look at goldhub.com. Yeah, certainly. Um, and I appreciate anyone that's listening. Um, look at the Gold, Co Gold Council's uh, reports. Um, they're very informative and, um, and you never know, you might learn a few things um, about the gold industry and it's going to be an important part of, of everyday 
day living, especially from a financial perspective and um, what's happening in the, in the world. So, yeah, uh, I encourage you to, uh, to visit their website. Um, and also appreciate if you can um, share this episode uh, amongst uh, friends, family, um, not just people in the mining industry, because I think gold will play a part in every everyone's lives um, one way or another. So I encourage you to um, share this episode with uh, other people that you know uh, that may have an interest or if they haven't got an interest, uh, maybe you want to um, um, encourage them to listen to this so they may uh, they may start being interested in gold. So, um, Christian, really appreciate your time again. Um, thank you for listening, everyone. And until next time, happy mining. Thank you for listening. Remember to reach out to Rob via the show notes and be sure to subscribe and leave a review. Until next time, happy mining helping each other to improve the mining industry.